What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Chord Chronicles. It's been a crazy week already. I don't know about everyone else out there. I don't know about you either, Amy, but... It's always a crazy week. Yeah, it's just hectic, and I'm surprised that the kids are in school here still. It's just been crazy. I'll just say that. I'm glad I'm vaccinated because it's really close to me. (laughs) It's around, real close. We'll just say that. But I hope everyone else out there is being safe, not taking livestock medication. Being sensible. <laughs> well, I'm labeling this podcast explicit anyway because typically we don't get political on the podcast. We try to separate even the politics from the musician. Even if it's a scumbag of a person, we are trying to just separate that and review the albums. But recently, a song came across my Spotify. Of an artist that we've reviewed quite frequently already. And in his own words, you know, this has got to stop. I'm sick of this BS. The artist I'm talking about, and we're going to be mentioning a little later. And that's the last time I'll be mentioning this artist. Is Eric Clapton. It makes me really sad, guys. It's a shame. I mean, growing up, I didn't really know, you know, you don't really know personally these artists, how they really are. You just hear their guitar and, you know, their music. And you're like, wow, this guy's amazing. He's a god. He's a rock god. Well, you know what? Um, The more I read about Eric Clapton, he's not a god. He's not even a rock god, if I'm being quite honest with you. Quite overrated. Good guitarist, yes. You know, I'm not going to, you know, down the man's work. But there are a lot of great guitarists that are good human beings that don't go on stage and rant about brown people like Mr. Clapton did in 76. That don't, you know, take the vaccine, maybe have a reaction, but then try to keep everyone else from taking it. I... I'm trying to keep it level. I'm not. I don't want to curse, but I, I'm still going to make this, you know, explicit content just because you know maybe I don't want kids to hear this. But Eric Clapton is a, a real scumbag individual, so I officially, from here on out, don't want to minus the little bit that we had to talk to him, talk about him, because he's featured. He's in one of the other albums coming up. but after that I'm not talking about another Eric Clapton album I don't know you can put it on Amy's All Alone if you want but I don't want to give this man any more exposure or credit (laughs) I'm just going to say that I don't want to give him a platform I mean I've complained I don't promote any of that I've complained about him in the past you know know. stole his friend's wife (laughs) which is just a terrible thing to do anyway you know, and then all of that that you've mentioned. Ugh. And yes, he is a good guitarist, but we have also talked about, you know, earlier, you know, on this show, we've been a little disappointed with his, some of his work. So it's not like he is just amazing. 
not good enough to overcome what a truly terrible person he is. It's super disappointing. Unfortunately, he doesn't have any more albums coming out anytime soon anyway. And that's good, because this has got to stop. Agreed. <laughs> he needs to and stop. It is, it is going to stop. <laughs> and, as another aside, Van Morrison, watch your ass, because you're next. Oh, I'm already done with him. <laughs> if he comes out with any more... If he comes out with any more of this crap, or I read another article, then he might not be involved on the podcast either. I'm just saying that. I mean, if anyone has a problem with that, they can reach me at Cord Chronicles on Instagram. Um, I mean, you can air your grievances to me there. Try to convince me otherwise. But I'm tired of these pieces of shit. I said it. So, <laughs> you know, I, I admire someone's music, but... Sometimes it's just too much for me to separate it. But now that I got that little rant out of the way, let's talk about some non-racist music. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, all jokes aside, as far as that goes, let's talk about some our albums this week. We had three that we both had to listen to. And, I mean, they're all artists that we... We're really familiar with. There were no surprises this week as far as, you know, you'd never heard this artist before. (laughs) You know, but I'm going to go right into, actually, the first album that we had. And it came out August 30th, 1971. This is the Beach Boys. And the album is Surf's Up. Obviously, we're familiar with, you know, all the Beach Boys stuff from... The 60s. Most of it late 60s. Like, you know, like what, 67-ish, I believe. So, before we started reviewing albums, basically. You know, they're prolific as far as putting albums out. I mean, this is their 17th studio album. So, you know, they've put out quite a bit. And we did have one album last year from them. It was Sunflower. And... From what I remember, it was pretty good. What well, you told me what it was? It was three and three quarter yes. stars. But I don't remember it. So <laughs> that one evidently was yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I don't remember it either. Which we do listen to quite a bit of music, but it must not have been that memorable. But the production was probably pretty good on it, because from what I could tell, Brian Wilson was really involved with the production of that album. So. The vocal arrangements were really good in it. This album, that's where that's where this album may be lacking a little bit, which is weird because it's a Beach Boys album. Usually the vocal arrangements are what stand out the most in the, you know, their harmonization. Yeah. And their play, it's like that old style of music. But that may be you know, maybe the reason for that is they're under new management at, the, at this time. You know, uh, from what I can tell, I'm trying to remember the name of their um, their co-manager. Um, it was Jack Riley. That's who it was. Okay, and he wanted to try to revamp the Beach Boys and make them, you know, bring them a little bit more modern. And I remember a campaign that like. It's safe to listen to the Beach Boys. 
<laughs> Which I was like, I guess, I guess they had like a stigma of not being cool. <laughs> maybe, maybe it had worn off or whatever. I mean, they are kind of poppy. I, I guess I see it. The funny thing about this album, the, the first thing, you know, I'm used to Beach Boys being, you know, good vibrations and sand and surf and, you know, singing about just real happy, happy vibes. <laughs> the first song on this album, <laughs> Don't Go Near the Water. Really good. Actually, it's a pretty good song. I don't want to say really good. Not, I don't think it's on par with some of their earlier stuff. But I like what they're doing here. This album is has addresses more like like problems that are going on, but whether it be economical or societal, that's the like this is a more grown up album. Purposefully, I believe that was part of that rebranding of the Beach Boys. So that's why some of this stuff is more serious. I mean, they do have a couple songs that do harken back, like what Disney Girls. Yeah came out in 57 or something um but most of this stuff was different it wasn't like your typical beach boy stuff i i liked it i didn't it was just different <laughs> it just wasn't what i was you know when i went into it i didn't expect to see here like the first thing don't go near the water and then uh student demonstration time like a protest song and it's just weird in a way. I, it's good. It was just different for me to hear them evolve into a more socially conscious band. As opposed to just being happy all the time. So I, I liked that aspect of it. And I don't really have much more to add to it. I'm, I guess I will go through the personnel real quick. For those who haven't, you know, don't know who all the Beach Boys were. And I forget sometimes. I mean, you know the, you know, Dennis Wilson, Carl Wilson, and Brian Wilson. I mean, you, you know those core guys. But then I forget people like Al Jardine and Bruce Johnston. And then finally Mike Love. But, you know, I don't usually think about those guys. And what, uh, what, Dennis Wilson, wasn't he the Wilson brother that was involved with the Mansons? I'm not sure. If I'm not mistaken. I always forget about Carl. Uh, Dennis Wilson. I feel bad. Uh, the but... drummer? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, because Brian really was the major force behind the Beach Boys. I mean, I, I, that's no disrespect, but I think he handled production a lot and just had a, a, a major hand in it. But I believe he's had some issues in the past with mental health as well. And he's, he's very open and honest about that. And I like that. So, I don't have anything else to add to this album. You know, I'm going to turn it over to you so you can give your thoughts on it before I give stars but yeah I, I enjoyed this even though it was serious it sounds funny to say you enjoyed a more serious album because this isn't you know this isn't the Beach Boys album you're going to put on to, for that sunny day to to have some fun with it it's more serious so sometimes you can't be you know all happy and joyful all the time <laughs> maybe they started noticing when they were surfing that they were having some problems with the water being dirty <laughs> But anyway, yeah, you know, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yeah, I do appreciate the more serious you know, songs, the message. You know, like you said, you can't be happy all the time. There are things that go on around us that 
we have to, or at least we should, recognize and acknowledge. And I appreciate them doing that. It is a change for them. And I realize also, because I do it, a lot of people do listen to music as an escape from the real world. So they want that happy, poppy music. But personally, I like both. But, you know, I appreciate them doing something different, trying something different. I always appreciate that anyway. I thought that the album was okay. It was not my favorite Beach Boys album. Um, but it wasn't bad. It was, it wasn't even mediocre. It was somewhere above mediocre. I think it sounded generally good. I just wasn't really in love with it either. To be fair, though, I kept getting interrupted every time I tried to listen to it, which was very annoying, and it's not the Beach Boys' fault, it's not the album's fault, it's just every time I tried to listen, it was like something happened or somebody came in and started talking to me, so, you know, that was difficult. Yeah, I tried to listen several times and had equal amounts of success every time. So, I tried to... I still judge it fairly, but I did want to mention that in the interest of transparency. Excuse me. Um, I know we talked about this before. Oh, sorry, did you have something to say? Well, I was going to mention that there were maybe two or three songs, and I was talking about it being more grown up, that I don't want to say they sounded like the Beatles, but I felt like they had a Beatles influence to them. Yeah. Like they were, you could tell that they were going with a little bit of what the Beatles did. I mean, Brian Wilson was a big, I mean, they were all probably, but Brian Wilson was vocally a big fan of the Beatles. So I felt like a, a couple, like maybe two or three songs had a big Beatles type feel to them, which was different too. It was weird. <laughs> it's like, this isn't the Beatle Boys. This is the Beach Boys. I don't understand it, but. Yeah, it, it was different. But anyway, no. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just didn't wanted to get that out before I forgot about it. But yeah, it, it was weird. That was actually perfect timing. That's what I was about to bring up. Because you and I, you had mentioned that to me before, before we started recording. And I agree. Student demonstration time was the most obvious to me. That one was very Beatles-esque. Looking at tomorrow, I thought was as well. I didn't care for student demonstration time personally all that much because of the siren sounds in it. I didn't dock any points for it because that's the effect they were going for and that's effective. I'm the anomaly here, so like I, I didn't dock anything off of them. I just didn't personally care for it because it's painful to listen to for me. I hate those noises so much, but... That is effective. That is what they were going for. It was you know, a student demonstration. That's really all I have. I don't have any notes on any of the other songs. I thought it was... Eh, it was pretty good. I like the title, Phil Flows. <laughs> and other than there was part where they... They use a synthesizer in that so song... And part of it is gets really screechy. It's a little bit annoying. But other than that, that was more of a traditional Beach Boys song. And it was kind of cool. It was just they had a spin to it. Like they added a, like a synthesizer to it. So that was that was kind of interesting. I did like that. 
And the reason I brought that up is because um, I don't know the, the name of the album, but there was an album released recently that has Sunflowers and like Phil Flo's extras, I believe, and, and production outtakes and things like that. It's on Spotify. It's like the you know the latest release from the Beach Boys. So when you go and look at it, so you're gonna you're gonna hear some of the outtakes from when they were recording. Probably I haven't looked at the track list yet. I just saw it right before we started recording. So I just saw it and I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> it is called but, Feel Flows. <laughs> yeah, did you get it? Yeah, and it's it? Okay, expanded yes. editions of this album and Sunflower. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that that may be something interesting to check out just to hear some of that process. But I, I that Phil Flow song was pretty interesting. I just didn't mention it before. But yeah, um, I don't really have anything else to add. This was a good album, not great. And like I said, I didn't I didn't give it the production bump like I normally would because I didn't like the vocal arrangements at times. I thought they were thin. And which is a big nod to Brian Wilson, actually, because when he has his his finger more in the production of it, it just sounds a little smoother. I don't know. He's just a good production, you know, a good producer. So, but um, I think that's what's lacking. But for me, I still give gave this three and a half stars. So I think it's good. It's not mediocre, you know. It's not like bad or anything. It's just not the best that the Beach Boys have put out. But 17 albums in, I don't know, I think it's pretty good. So, three and a half stars. What'd you I give it? agree with you again. I also gave it three and a half. I, there weren't any hits on it, but it was okay. Yeah, um, I still recommend everyone check it out. And maybe even that, you know, the latest release, The Phil Flows. Once you go listen to Sunflowers and this album so because you know that way you have a better understanding of it and then see if you want to go to more of the expanded stuff obviously you know you're not going to want to just jump into the, the latest release i mean you may, you may want to but some of that stuff may just be studio outtakes and you know if you're a big beach boys fan yes but for just the casual listener maybe not so much but yeah i recommend it surfs up yeah check it out now, the next album is an interesting one because it's an artist that we've already reviewed. You know, it's been well established that you're a huge fan of New Orleans, <laughs> the city, the culture. Who, the music. me? <laughs> uh, shout out to everyone in New Orleans right now and the air, that whole area of the Gulf with Ida. You know, I know they're battling a lot with power outage. You know, it's not, I don't believe it, it, things were as catastrophic, obviously, as Katrina was, what, 16 yeah. years ago. But still, you know, my heart's out to those those people. You know, hopefully they get things going, you know, get things turned around. And, uh, you know, don't have as as long a turnaround time like, like we had last time. So... But I think a, a big tragedy was averted this time. So that's good, at least. But yeah, shout out to New Orleans. You, gotta, you know, you're on our hearts. But this artist, you know, he's a New Orleans, what, New Orleans R&B <laughs> at times? Uh, swamp music. <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> yeah. Psych rock, 
Uh, just whatever. That's a good way to describe <laughs> Dr. Dr. John. John is whatever. <laughs> yeah. A Muppet <laughs> in some yeah. ways. The album is The Sun, Moon, and Herbs. Hmm. Wonder what he's getting at there. But. All right. First off, we're going to get this out of the way. This album is pretty well known because it features a couple of other I mean there are other artists on this as well but there are a couple big names you got Eric Asshole Clapton and you have another noted jerk (laughs) but a good well really good vocalist just he's kind of hiding in the background in this album I didn't really hear him Mick Jagger so unless you told me that, you know, until like until I read that, I would have never known that Mick Jagger was involved with this album because he's just in the background somewhere. But that's pretty cool, you know. He just set in, you know, with the with everyone and they just had fun. From what I could tell, this what this was originally supposed to be a three album set, and it was cut down to a single disc. So I wonder, I wonder if the outtakes are somewhere, and it was not. Not what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know, like not good quality. A lot of this album's not what it should be. A bit of a disappointment at times. It's not bad. And there are parts of this album that are just brilliant, I think. I, I really like them. Like, when... It's going to sound insulting. I don't mean it that way. But when Dr. John is in his New Orleans lane... When he's going with the voodoo, being sinister, spooky, <laughs> that's when he's at his best. At least for me personally, like for that, it's fun for me to listen to. Like the for me, the best song on the album was Zuzu Mamu. I I liked it. It had that swampy feel to it, and that's what I think when I think Doctor John. I did like Familiar Reality as well. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't like, could not stand Craney Crow. <laughs> I think you know why. We're going to go ahead and he, he let his daughter sing some vocals in it. And it would be cute if they just had it as an outtake. But it's annoying. Was not a fan. But, you know, I'm, it's not, I'm not the musician, but whatever. But I really liked... The guitar and the drums. I know it sounds duh, but I especially really like some of the drum work in this album. I like John Boudreaux, who's the uh, Dr. John's chief drummer. He does a lot of offbeat, <laughs> offbeat, like polyrhythmic at times drumming. So it was pretty cool. So, like, throughout some of this, but I don't really have much more to add. I'm not a huge Dr. John fan. I mean, there are enormous, like the list for the guest musicians on this album is enormous. I'm not going to go through it. If anyone's interested, you can go check that out on Wikipedia because they have a huge list. But really, um, other than the album cover, which almost, I don't know, it almost looks like Dr. John standing in like in the center looks like a pentagram. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's intentional. I think it is to be witchy and voodoo-like. But he almost looks like a like he's standing like in a pentagram. So I want to look more into that. 
but that's all I really have to say about it. I, I like the album cover. It's it's pretty interesting, but I think the album cover is almost more interesting than the album itself. Not a bad album, but not the best from Dr. John, and not the best that we've listened to so far from Dr. John, because we had an album before. Right before, I think it was 70, maybe, Remedies. At least I've had a couple of his. I'm not sure if one of those was solo. Yeah, I think we both had, yeah, we both had Remedies, so I hope no one gets uh, uh, background game music, game show music or something (laughs) going from across my household. (laughs) People can't be respectful but anyway we're gonna leave that aside but um um yeah that's really all i had to say about about this album it's good but it could be better in my opinion like it, it just maybe they cut out too much maybe they cut out some of the wrong stuff i'd be interested in hearing some of the stuff that they cut out that was supposed to be part of a three record album to see if there are more, you know, cuts that were like the more traditional, like Zuzu Mamu, and like when he does the more voodoo, which is really what it is. He's more do more doing that voodoo style. Like I'd be interested to hear that because I do like that. But like I said, that's really all I had to say about it. What do you think about it? I may have liked it a little more than you, but I agree. It's not his best work. The first thing that I'm really going to mention, though, isn't even about him at all, per se. The production was not great. His vocals were just too quiet almost throughout. They were better on a couple of songs, but you know, most of the songs, he was way too quiet compared to the other instruments and the other vocalists, even. like The background vocals were almost louder than him in a lot of cases. I did think that most of the songs were catchy for me. I liked, you know, and yeah, I'll go ahead and, you know, <laughs> mention the guest artist list. Like you said, Eric Clapton and his bandmates were on this. That's not unusual for Dr. John. And, you know, they did okay. I don't, they didn't really stand out to me. Neither did Mick Jagger, but. I did think it was interesting that they had Mick Jagger on background vocals. Like, that's weird. But I also kind of think it says a lot for his respect for Dr. John as a musician. At least that's what I take from it. Maybe I'm totally wrong. But when Mick Jagger is willing to do backing vocals for you, that just... (laughs) That seems like a gesture of respect. I... Also liked Familiar Reality. I love the beat in that one. Especially the opening part. That song is on the album twice. There's Familiar Reality opening. And then the last song is Familiar Reality reprise. The opening I thought was better. And and then and then reprise at the end of it. I gotta give a dad joke right there. Right at the very beginning of that song. I swear they hit a brown note. I swear they hit the brown note. Go and listen to it, guys. If that for the, not for that alone, check it out. I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. But anyway, well, I liked the opening better than the reprise, but you know, I thought they were both all right. I love the beat in that. 
that's the type of music that I love for New Orleans music. That's what I think of when I think New Orleans music. It just kind of makes your body want to move, feel like you're in a second line. I also really liked the piano in Where You At Mule. Now that, of course, I know was Dr. John, so props to him. That one I thought was really good. That's really all I have to add. Um, I thought it was good. It's not his best work, but I did still enjoy listening to it. There just weren't any big standouts on it. Yeah, I, uh, like I said, I, I liked it. It didn't, like this, I don't think the last album did either, right? Neither one of these got my production half star. So these are still good albums, but there's just not great production. You're right, like you don't hear his vocals at times, but there is a lot going on. With, you know, that with all fairness, there is a lot going on. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe there's too much going on at one time, at time you know, sometimes, to where he his vocals just get drowned completely out. And it's hard to mix that much in. But, I don't know, like, sometimes the vocals were good, some of the songs, sometimes they weren't. So, it was uneven. So, I couldn't give it that half star. But it's, the, the some of the songs, the songs that were good, I thought were excellent. So, I did give it three and a half stars, just like the last album. But what did you give it? We're in agreement again. It's three and a half for me as well. Yeah, I mean, both albums we've had so far, good albums, just not stellar. So, you know, if, if you're a fan of Dr. John, I say, you know, add this one to the collection. It's got some definite bright spots, but there's probably a later release that has all of the stuff that was cut out. So you may want to look for that, just because it probably has some good stuff in it too, I would think. But, yeah, three and a half stars. It's it's a good album, but not great. But I'm still looking forward to hearing more Dr. John, just to seeing what he, you know, brings out. He's a very good composer, in a way. Like, he handles a large, like, a musical arranger, I guess, would be. Like, he, he's very good at arranging but um, he is dr teeth you know i'm not <laughs> yeah he is dr teeth that's right but you know i will give him that but we only have one more album to talk about and it's a uh, my favorite one of the week i'll say that i'm going to get it out of the way this is not <laughs> this is not later works in this band obviously that we're familiar with more familiar with still still getting better i've stumbled around it too much this album came out september 3rd of 1971 and this is a band that we've already reviewed before on the podcast and it was not good it was kind of disappointing and the band is fleetwood mac the album's future games we reviewed, oh, I don't remember the album right before this, but I think it was called, what, Kiln House? Yeah. Maybe. Kiln House. And it's just male vocals. You don't have any of um, Christine McVie. Christine McVie was not involved with Kiln House. Well, this album actually is the first album to feature Christine McVie. 
I mean, maybe she was in, maybe Christine was involved partially with Kiln House, but very sparingly, like, you know, not like this album. And that's the big difference between the last album and this album. Because I feel like this is the start of something big. Obviously, you still have... I'm going to go through uh, the, the members. Of, because Fleetwood Mac's changed members <laughs> three or four times. And, you know, they're going to change some more members a little bit later on. We're not going to talk about it this year. But you have Danny Kerwin on guitar and vocals. Bob Welch, amazing guitarist and does some vocal work. Like I said before, Christine McVie on keyboards and vocals. You have John McVie on bass guitar. And then Mick Fleetwood, obviously Fleetwood, <laughs> on drums. And he does some percussion, extra percussion as well. And you do have uh, John Perfect, I love the name. He's additional personnel. I didn't want to leave him out. He plays saxophone on What a Shame. And I'm going to go ahead from the start. I liked this album quite a bit but it's uneven it's not real focused if that makes sense like the first song i like woman of a thousand years it sounds like it came from the 60s though maybe it sounds older it has that psychedelic pink floyd-esque it's some in some ways like the vocals are very reserved i liked it but it was it's not what i'm you know used to it's more male vocals, too. I don't think Christine McVie has as much vocal in that song. Because it's, it's more Danny Kerwin. Um, but then you go into Morning Rain. And that's when you start getting a little bit more of Christine McVie. I liked, obviously, the tr title track, Future Games. I like Sands of Time. I liked Lay It All Down. I like Show Me a Smile. If you're, if you're getting a, a pattern here. There's quite a few good songs on this album that I liked. Peppered with just surprising, because it hits you sometimes, like Bob Welch's guitar. That's what stood out more than anything, other than Christine McVie's vocals on some of these songs, for me, was Bob Welch on guitar. And I'm like, man, you know, we've been talking about the guy that I'm not going to talk about <laughs> anymore as being an amazing guitarist. And then we don't even talk about people like Bob Welch here, who kills it on this album i'm impressed like i want to hear more for sure and we do hear more later but i'm really excited for the the other stuff coming up from them because i want to hear what else bob welch does on guitar i want to hear christine McVie more of her vocals obviously i've always liked mick fleetwood's uh, drum work and percussion so i feel like the band is starting to come together a little bit more on this album and it's more cohesive so, yeah, I liked this album quite a bit. Yeah, this was yeah, this was fun to listen to. I've listened to this one about about four times this week actually. You know, usually we don't have time, but I've had a little bit of extra time to go back through them and make sure you know, I'm not looking with rose-colored glasses because I didn't really like the Dr. John that much and then I didn't love the Beach Boys. So I'm like, am I just really liking this Fleetwood Mac because it's you know I've listened to these other two albums before it or do I just really like it? No, no, it's really good. So it, the genre is listed as soft rock, and I I see that, but Bob Welch's guitar sometimes isn't soft rock. It's really good, but I've you know squeezed enough juice out of Bob Welch 
<laughs> Come on, it was a good joke. But I'm going to turn it over to you, see what you thought about the album before I give stars. But, uh, you know, it's just a good album. But what do you think about it? Well, first of all, I'm giving you no credit for that joke. None whatsoever. None. <laughs> no. I... Oh, it was good. I saw yeah. you smile. <laughs> Maybe you're just funny looking. <laughs> you guys don't really know, but we look a lot alike. You know, being brother and sister, so I can tell him he's funny looking. It's okay. But I went into this intrigued, but cautious, because, like you said, we've been a little let down by the previous Fleetwood Mac stuff we've heard. And I love Fleetwood Mac. But I knew that this probably still wasn't going to be the Fleetwood Mac that I'm used to. You know, like so many other people, and I think probably you as well, I am primarily a Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham era Fleetwood Mac fan. So, yeah, I know that's not necessarily representative of the band's entire discography, though. I recognize that. So, I knew this was going to be a little different from them. And... It was. It was different, but it was okay. You know, I still didn't think there were any big hits on the album. Like, most of the songs were kind of on the same level. They're on par with each other for me. Nothing really stood out above the rest. I will say that as I listened, it continued to grow on me. And what I mean by that is not just, you know, I liked it better with every subsequent listen, but also I feel like it got better as it went along. Like for me, the first songs were kind of eh, but the last songs were better than that. And if it did also you know, grow on me with subsequent listens as well, I think if I had more time to keep listening, my rating may grow even higher than it is. I did have to stop at some point so we could record this. <laughs> but I probably will keep listening in the future to see if it's one of those that just keeps growing. And I don't want to give the impression that it was you know, bad or not enjoyable. It was it was you know, um, enjoyable. You know, it was good. Future Games was my favorite song on the album. It was sort of echoey and haunting, and that appealed to me. It also sounded kind of familiar. And then when I researched further, I saw it was used in Almost Famous. I love that movie, mostly for the music. So that's probably why it seemed familiar and why I enjoyed it. Like you said, it was Christine McVie's first album as a full member. She was a session member um, on Kiln House. You know, while I do love Stevie Nicks, you know, I, and I do, I love Stevie Nicks, but I also like Christine McVie. I like her writing, and I enjoy her vocals, so, you know, I was happy to get to hear her on this one. And, you know, also the first for Bob Welch. I'm not as familiar with him. You know, like you said, we don't hear a lot about him. And he was only with Fleetwood Mac for three years, and, you know, left before Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Lindsey Buckingham was supposed to be his replacement. So... I'm not as familiar with him, but I am intrigued now. Like you said, you know, I was pretty impressed with him on this album. He wrote the title, excuse me, the title track, which was my favorite off the album. So I'm also looking forward to hearing more of his work, even outside of the band, because he did work of his own as well. 
And just one other thing that I wanted to mention, and it's not a huge note, but just something to keep in mind. None of the songs are really overly long, but most of them are a little longer than what I would say is average for this time period, so just be aware of that. There are a couple in the seven and eight minute range, but most of them are around four and a half to five and a half minutes. So not a huge deal, but you know, if you are listening in short spurts, like a song here and there, which I do sometimes, it is something to be aware of. Like normally I would be able to get in four, maybe even five songs during my commute to work, but not with this album. You know, I would only be able to squeeze in two full songs, maybe part of one more depending on what songs they are. So, just something to keep in mind. You know, it may take you more uh, sessions to get through this one. But, yeah. Now, this is, uh, this is what the kids call a vibe. <laughs> you have to, like, you have to put this on, like, you know, late at night when nothing else is going on. You can sit back and just, you have to really listen to it. To appreciate it, this that I think that's what this was written for. Yeah, you know stuff like that. You had to appreciate. You got to sit back. Yeah, and, and if you've to only it. got a couple of it's minutes, don't bother. Pop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not pop. It's not. It's really not. It's not like that. It's different. But it's once again, I kept kept saying it. Like every album seemed more mature, <laughs> even though that was the Beach Boys' seventeenth <laughs> album. But it just seemed more grown up. Like all three albums this week that we both had, and they just seemed—I don't know—like the 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 songwriting even was more grown up and everything. But yeah, this was this was my favorite album this week. It was, but um, I didn't know if you had anything. No, to say. that's pretty much it. But um, I did rate it higher than the other two. The production was pretty good. Once again, you know, neither one of the the previous albums, as we get Cletus driving by, um, neither one of his out al- of the the pre- previous albums that we just talked about had good production. This album did, though. I felt I felt like this album did. So this one I gave four stars. And enjoyment factor, though. I enjoyed it about four and a half, and it may grow more. I liked it. I liked it a lot. So I, I just find myself going back to it, and I really like Sands of Time. But once again, like you said, you have to give time. <laughs> you have to sit back. You can't just try to just like squeeze it in. You have to just sit back and listen to it. So it's one of those, but it's one I feel like I will go back to. But yeah, I gave it four stars. What did you give it? I thought... You know, it's pretty good. It, no, it's not the best work from the band, in my opinion. And there aren't any huge hits on it. But I did think it was pretty good. I'm a little bit below you on this one. I still only gave this one three and a half. But it is a strong three and a half. Especially because of the way it was growing on me. It feels like it may be one of those albums where it doesn't really grab hold of me at first. But then, you know. Later on, it does, and I end up really liking it. There are some albums that are just like that. You know, some of them I really, really enjoy now, even though I kind of glossed over them at first. I don't know if this is going to become one of those, but it feels like it may. But I'm not glossing over it now either. Like, it's still a strong three and a half for me. 
Yeah, and combined, that's three and three quarter stars, so that's still really good. Yeah, I highly recommend everyone check it out. If any of the three albums this week, if you're going to check them out, I think probably this is the one you're going to like the best. Simply because the production's the best. If for that alone. But, yeah, it's an excellent album. And, I, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to it again and again. I already know I will. You know, I've, there are a few albums that I've found myself doing that, you know, with. Like the Stooges album that we mm-hmm. reviewed last year. I just keep going back to some of those songs. So, you know, you'll find some things that just hit. And, like, the three or four of these songs really did. Like I said, Sands of Time. But you have to give, give it time. <laughs> it's <laughs> but, a lot of sand. Um, funny enough. Yeah. Yeah, like Sands in the Hourglass. But anyway, that's the last album we both had this week. And I think I've droned on long enough. People are probably tired of hearing me. But you know what? We still have more to talk about. <laughs> you have an album coming up to talk about. I didn't listen to that one. I'm going to try to listen in because you know I'm an overachiever like yep. that. But I just haven't had a chance to check it out yet. I'm a little jazzed out. Jeff's not jazzing. We'll just say that. Jeff's maybe jamming, but Jeff's not jazzing. So, but I think we're going to take a quick break because when we get back, Amy's going to be all alone. So stay tuned. Hey, everybody. We're back. Well, I'm back anyway. As always, Amy's all alone. I have another album that I listened to this week and I'm going to review that my brother... Well, I don't know if he listened to it or not, because sometimes he does <sighs> overachiever, but he's at least not going to review it. This one's mine. And my album this week was by Count Basie. I have talked about him before. Um, jazz artist, big band, an artist that I like. I actually reviewed him, I think it was back in July. But this album is Have a Nice Day. We don't actually know exactly when it came out. We have a date of 1971 on it. And we know it was after August 1971. So we just put it on this week and hopefully it's close enough. So, like I said, this is big band swing type jazz. That is the type that I tend to gravitate to most. And as I said, I do like Count Basie. He is one jazz artist that I do really admire, so I was kind of looking forward to this, kind of not, but only because it has only been like a month, maybe a month and a half since I reviewed one of his albums, so it's pretty soon, but I do like him. I always have ever since the first time I heard him. This was all pretty catchy. It is sort of background music in a way, but not in a bad way. It was nice to listen to while I was working. It got my body moving in my seat. I feel like I say that a lot, but I I guess I'm just that type of person. But my shoulders were kind of bouncing, my foot was tapping. I thought that The Spirit is Willing, that's the song title, was particularly catchy. 
that one reminded me of Disney music, like The Jungle Book maybe, which isn't surprising to me. I've always been reminded of Disney and The Jungle Book in particular by this style of music, so it wasn't really you know, a shock that the song off of this album would make me think of that, but that song, The Spirit is Willing, really did. A couple of others did a little bit, but not as much as that one. I don't have a whole lot to say about the album, though, because it is still instrumental jazz, and there's not a ton of background info available about it, at least with the limited time and resources that we have. It wasn't available on Spotify, but the full album is available on YouTube. It is available as just one single video, not a playlist. But a very kind person in the comments has added the track list with timestamps, so that's nice. You can click right to the song that you're interested in, or at least see what you're listening to. So it makes it a little bit easier to listen to. And I didn't have to track down all the songs individually, which I always appreciate. I reviewed Count Basie's last album, Afrique, or Africa, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but... I reviewed that album pretty highly. Um, I don't think this one was quite as good as that one, but it was still good. I enjoyed it. I gave this one three and a half stars. I think I rated the previous album four, and like I said, I didn't think this one was quite as good, but it was still enjoyable for me. I probably wouldn't just sit down and listen to it without something else going on at the same time, because it just isn't that sort of music for me, but that's not a criticism. I liked it. And it's probably a strong three and a half. And that's really all I have to say about, you know, have a nice day. So I guess I'm gonna say to you all, have a nice day. We're gonna take one last quick break, and then my brother's gonna be back. He's got one more album, and when he comes back, Jeff's gonna be just jamming. So stay tuned, everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Jeff's Just Jammin'. We've had some pretty good albums this week, but it looks like things are winding down and coming to a close for the week. And I said week more than twice, but whatever. <laughs> because for this week's Jeff's Just Jammin', I get to close the show out. You know, last week I talked about the Partridge Family Sound Magazine. What I thought was possibly the best of the Partridge Family albums that I have heard. I mean, there might be one that's right there with it, it's, but I don't think it's better. So, if you haven't had a chance, be sure to check out the Partridge Family Sound Magazine. Especially if you're a fan of the, like the 70s pop rock. But this one had, I don't know, a more grown-up sound. But we're not here to talk about the Partridge Family because we talked about that last week. 
We're here to talk about an artist that I don't believe I've ever heard of. And I had to do a little bit of research to even find out who he was. The artist I'm talking about is Peter Allen. And the album actually is self-titled Peter Allen. This came out, we don't have a release day or month for it. So we just have 1971. So I just put unknown date. But it did come album from the start from what I can tell Peter Allen was an Australian musician and he is more um, known for his songwriting more so than probably his his singing and performance of his music because from what I can tell two maybe three of his songs became big hits for Olivia Newton-John and what I can also tell, Peter Allen was known for his flamboyant stage persona. And he had all kinds of energy and lavish costumes. Not so much in this album, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. This album, it's pop. I, I would still consider it pop. Um, It's soft, though. It's not like like really peppy if I can say that it's more of a it's just an easy listening kind of album and you can't get this on Spotify I couldn't get it I had was about accurate <laughs> once I started trying to listen to this album it's not bad, particularly. It's just nothing stands out on this album. I mean, everything just, like, one song goes into another. I didn't hear a lot of energy in it. From what I could tell, you know, he's known for his energy on stage. Well, this is Peter Allen's first album, so, you know, he's still working on his sound and his performance. But... Really, there's nothing I can point out on here. This may be one of my shortest album reviews so far, especially lately. But there are it's six or well six sax, uh, six tracks, six saxophones. That's right, baby. No, <laughs> six tracks on each side. So I do like that it's balanced in that way because you know I'm a big fan of things being balanced. So that was nice. But really. Honestly, there are no songs on here that just, you know, pop. I'd say possibly where the sun never shines or five o'clock in L.A., but just nothing really. And like I said before, it looks like Peter Allen is more known for his songwriting. And I can see that. He's not a bad singer or anything like that. And I believe he plays um, piano. Or keyboard on this so the music itself's okay but the production wasn't great nothing really stood out so I'm beating around the bush here guys I felt kind of bad because it's not bad and this isn't a bad score so I think this is fair but this album I didn't give it my typical half star bump for production because the production just isn't simply just simply isn't that great but this only made it to three stars for me. 
it's not bad you know a C is just average so that's about what this is this is an average album now if you're a fan of like a folk maybe with a little bit of a, a pop spin on it you might like this so I would recommend that to someone who is maybe a bigger fan of something like that but you know really this isn't just was one of my weakest Jeff's just jamming albums especially this year so really I can't in good conscience recommend it to much of anybody but if you want to look for it it is on YouTube you won't find it on Spotify like I said but yeah all I can give Peter Allen's self-titled Peter Allen album three stars and it looks like that's all we have for this week to talk about music wise but I'm gonna go ahead and preview what we'll be talking about next week in case everyone is listening along next week for my Jeff's Just Jammin' I'm gonna have the band Poco the album from the inside we've already reviewed a Poco album before Country Rock uh, was quite a bit of fun so I'm looking forward to that for Amy's All Alone next week we're gonna have LaBelle self-titled LaBelle and that is Patti LaBelle so this is a band she was involved with that I've never heard so I may have to slip in and preview that one as well even though I'm not reviewing it and then our big album that Amy and I will both be talking about next week is a big one released September 9th 1971 John Lennon's Imagine so it's going to be a big episode next week and then to close it out we'll have Curved Air which is a band that I've I've, uh, reviewed before and it's (laughs) strangely enough second album so, and I believe the first one was called First, if I'm not mistaken. But I'm not looking at those notes right now. But if you are following along with the music, those are the albums we'll have next week. So be sure to check those out. And anything we've talked about this week, be sure to check that out as well. The Beach Boys surfs up. Dr. John, the sun, Mernin, m- 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 getting all tied up, tongue-tied. The sun, moon, and herbs. I promise I haven't had any sun, moon, or herbs today. And then finally, Fleetwood Mac's Future Games. I can't say anything about Count Basie's Have a Nice Day because I haven't listened to Amy's review of it yet. So I guess we'll see on that one. But Peter Allen, maybe not so much. But be sure to check out those other three, as well as the albums coming up next week. And you, as always, you can get a hold of us on Instagram, at Chord Chronicles. Be sure to drop us a line, comment, questions, anything like that. I'll be sure to respond. Let us know if we've missed an album or if we've gotten something incorrect. Or if you just want to say hi and tell us where you're from. That would be awesome as well. And I'm just going to end this episode like we typically do. I just like everyone to have a mask up because it's not going away, guys. And just be safe and have a good week. <laughs>